0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Discovery. Today, we're going to talk about the sixth episode of Star Trek Discovery season two, The Sound of Thunder. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkie, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man?
1: Doing great, man. Enjoying a partial day off. I sit around and drink on my version of and Brandy and watch the episode. (laughs) Okay,
0: guys. Well, what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail, in addition to talking all things Trek. If you like this show and you want to show your support, please tell a friend, tell a friend to subscribe and sign up. And whether it be on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever your podcast platform or of choice is, uh, we love to have you as a subscriber as well as getting getting a friend to subscribe to the feed. If you think this show is worth it and we'd love you to pass that word of mouth along, guys. So, John, I have to ask you, man, is there any trick news That you want to talk about anything. I don't have anything in the news section.
1: Man, I feel bad every time you ask this question because I'm supposed to be like the resident tricky and I never have (laughs) trick news. Uh, The only thing I could say, I was surprised to see Michelle Yeoh in the uh, Oscars uh, doing a presentation. I don't know if you've seen that, but she was beautiful. Like she was trending on Twitter for a while. Really? Yeah. I did not
0: see anything about that, man. That's pretty interesting. Do you remember what she was presenting or you just kind of like saw a clip of them? It it? uh,
1: you know, it's recorded because my stepdaughter was here and she wanted me to record it for her. So I started watching it earlier. Uh, she was presenting. I don't make me. I want to say the foreign language, but I'm not real sure the foreign language movie award. Uh, but I'm not real sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she she was beautiful. And, you know, I, the reason I know it was her, I kind of had it going in the background and I think I was in the kitchen and I heard this voice and I was like, man, that sounds familiar. <laughs> hey, that's and, George O. <laughs> right. That's my first thought. So I went in and looked and there she was. That, that surprised me. I didn't know that was happening.
0: Well, cool. I, I wish I would have heard of that, but I think maybe the majority of news got um, drowned out by the guy with the tuxedo dress. <laughs> I don't. I think that the majority of the <laughs> news.
1: You know, I heard something about that. I did not see it. Uh, my, what I heard a lot about was the uh, Aquaman actor and his pink velvet tuxedo with a velvet scrunchie.
0: Oh, I have not seen it yet. I need to look it up.
1: And I, he actually pulled it off fairly well, like made me want to grow my hair out and wear a scrunchie. <laughs> <laughs> was, it top, course,
0: was it a top Was it a top knot scrunchie or like
1: how, oh, how it just, i mean it looks like a regular scrunchie well supposedly it was like designed by this fashion designer and it was one of his last designs before he died and oh gosh <laughs> i mean it i mean really he was like the most for like two hours straight he was like the most trending subject on twitter for a while wow yeah i mean he pulls it off but again he's like Built and 6'4 and Hawaiian, and you know, a manly man, <laughs> right? So, a manly man like that, I guess, could pull a pink off, but yeah, that, that, that's what I heard. I did hear something about the tuxedo dress, but I don't think I was that interested to rewind.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, also notable, I think Spike Lee won an Oscar, I can't remember what for, um, it
1: was for his, uh, was it Black Klansman? I think? Yes, it was for Black Klansmen. I just don't know what for. I don't yeah. know if it was best writing or what. I, f-
0: I forget the category. And I also uh, notable um, Spider Spider Man into the Spider Verse won for best animated film. I
1: believe. Yes, that was amazing. I have not seen that. Oh, dude! I, like I, I just thought kudos to them for outdoing Incredibles too because like, yeah. I hadn't seen either one. But I know Incredibles is like a major, major. Animation and for them to outdo that, that's awesome,
0: dude. I'm gonna say, uh, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse is one of the must see movies of 2018. Really, yes, check it out, dude. You it, on the face of it, it seems like you might not enjoy it because I was a little skeptical going in, even though I'm a huge Spider Man fan. But I'm telling you, man, they do the character of Miles Morales justice, and you definitely need to check it out.
1: I, you know what, I, I may, I. I just decided I wasn't going to watch it because, like, I like really don't want to see a bunch of kid animated children playing Spider-Man characters and yeah, I, I don't know. It just didn't seem like it would be good to me, but I'll check it out.
0: An adult can definitely enjoy it, man. It, it don't think of it as a kids' film. Just going as going there, and say I'm gonna just go have fun, and I promise you, you will have fun with it, dude. Trust me. Nice. I have to
1: check it out, man. I have a list actually. One of my main reasons for watching the Oscars are to get a list of great movies that I need to watch, so I can kind of filter out the trash movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
0: the the list of shame, the list of shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think I did pretty good last year. The only movie I think I need to go back and see is Aquaman, which I did not. So
1: I, I, think, uh, I think, I'm, think I'm doing all right. Oh, I'm terrible. I. <laughs> I have not seen that one movie that was nominated or won wow other than Black Panther. I watched Black Panther so and that was like a month ago, so i'm I'm probably far behind anyway me
0: well you just you just watch a lot of Star Trek and that's fine. I mean I understand uh, you're you're tricky yeah. at heart,
1: yeah, I mean Star Trek is gonna be first amongst anything
0: yeah so so before we get into the review of of uh the Sound of Thunder. I will say that I was at Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida this past weekend, and I had the pleasure of seeing the, the great William Shatner speak for about 45
1: minutes. Oh, wow. Yes. About- I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: well, yeah, you know, the conversation kind of diverged into cr- country music for 30 minutes of it, so <laughs> y- you know, yeah, give and take there, but it was cool to see him. I will say, um, he's 87, I believe, and you oh. know, he got up there and, and commanded the stage for like forty five minutes or an hour. So it was cool to see one of the greats on stage. You know, that's one of one of the things I had in my bucket list before. You know, before either the actor got too old or I just missed him or didn't have the opportunity to see him So
1: that was Man, definitely that be every Trekkie's bucket list. And yeah. I, I, I'm sad to say, I may not make it. Like you know, the Star Trek annual Star Trek cruise is coming up in yeah. May, or March, yeah. or May. I don't know. Well, I think, and, it, I think it happened already for this year. I no.
0: It did not. I just looked at it. Huh. Interesting.
1: But I think it's too late to get a ticket. Yeah, that might be it. That might be it. William Shatner is actually going to be there. Oh, I think wow. he was there last year,
0: too. Yeah, man. I saw, uh, in, in addition to him, I had an opportunity to to see Jonathan Frakes, uh, number one himself. But we did not <laughs> stay uh, for him because we were trying to get back. Because he was at, like, 4 o'clock on a Sunday. And we had to travel back from Pensacola, so we kind of, kind of didn't stay for him. Which you know, I'm okay with it because I think I have another opportunity to see him before it's said and done.
1: Ah, uh, man, you treat him like a stepchild.
0: <laughs> but real quick, I, I don't want to belabor this, but I also saw uh, Aaron Eisenberg, Nog, and um, Jeffrey Combs, Wayune were both awesome. there too. So, so yeah, I get, got to saw see quite a few Star Trek stars, including some doctors and. um Doctor Who doctors, as well as um, some other actors, so it was cool. It was cool. I
1: had fun. Nice, nice. Oh, and just to clarify, you you are correct. The cruise has already happened. The I was looking at the details for the one in 2020, which would be March first through the eighth. That's the Voyager cruise, right? Uh, I, yes. Oh. Well, I mean, I th- I it has the Voyager has actors. I think, yeah, it's gonna be the Voyager actors. Uh, But, I mean, you have a lot of people there, like, uh, you have Major Kira, you have Chase Madison, which surprises me. That was, uh, what was Nog's dad, father's name? Double girl. She was a double girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it'll be it'll be awesome, man. I I, I want to go to that one. But yeah, the main the main characters will be Kate Mulgrew, Robert Picardo, Ethan Phillips, Robert Duncan McNeil, Tim Russ, and Garrett Wayne. Oh, the entire bridge man. crew, just about.
0: Man, are you ready to get into our review of Star Trek: Discovery: The Sound of Thunder?
1: Yes, let's do it. Spoilers. Red alert! All hands, stand to battle station. I'll give you the right. I destroy and I'm
0: digging At ease before you sprain something. Season two, episode six, which aired February 21st, 2019, directed by Douglas Arne Okoski, who also directed Lethe and also directed The Brightest Star. And this leads me to believe like maybe both of these are probably shot at the same exact time. Uh, the Sound of Thunder and the Brightest Star. Saru's journey comes full circle as the appearance of a red signal takes the USS Discovery beyond Federation space to his home planet of Kaminar. While Discovery attempts to dissect the meaning of the signal, the fate of Saru and the future of the Kelpian existence hangs in the balance. So, man, what are your general thoughts on this episode?
1: Man, I I cannot believe that they continue to top themselves, in my opinion. Like, this this was a great episode to me from start to finish. I was completely engulfed in the story from beginning to end. I, I, and it tied into the short track, like, beautifully. So, I, I'm all for it, man. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned how it tied directly into the short track. However good it tied in in this episode, it does make me wonder about the rest of them (laughs) because we're six episodes in. I guess there's a lot of time left. You know, maybe we're getting close to halfway through the series, I guess. But I wonder if the other ones will tie in at all. And I'm kind of You know, dubious if they will or not.
1: (laughs) You know, I I think I mentioned that before when we were reviewing some of the short tricks. And it was like if if they didn't tie this into the main season, I would be highly disappointed because it was a waste of time. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm glad they're not forcing it into the storyline. Like I think hopefully they will tie it in at some point, and it'd be that much more amazing to be like, oh yeah, that was on the short trick. Yeah. You know, who's, we're not really expecting it and it just happens. That'll be great. But I, I got a feeling like I don't think they're going to tie them all in. Like, I don't see I don't see how they're going to tie in. Maybe, maybe.
0: Huh. Now, it's... I did hear in the interesting theory, and maybe I should save it to the end of the podcast. <laughs> but someone made a theory about the Calypso short trick. And thanks to Eric heatherton in, in Canada who sent this link along to me. But someone made the theory that. Nora from the Calypso short trek, the AI may be the Red Angel, which I thought could be interesting, but, you know, I don't know. It's, huh. it's an interesting theory. You know, there's a lot of theories going out. <laughs> that is interesting. Uh, again, like, I think the only thing that throws that off is the fact that somehow this ties into Spock. I can see it tying into Burnham, but how does it tie into Spock? So.
1: Yeah, uh, I I don't know. Yeah, that spot, the spot thing kind of throws a lot of a sto- lot of theories off. Yeah. yeah,
0: it really does.
1: But maybe they have some genius story plot to write <laughs> in that's going to blow us away. I mean, so far they're doing a great job. I, I I have no complaints yet. Yeah. So so before we get go a
0: little bit further, I want to ask the people who out th- who are out there that may be listening. What are your theories on the Red Angel? Do you have any clue as to what's going on? Uh, please send those theories in to fans at com. So, John, we start things off in sick bay. There is an obvious allegory, th- allegory between the message Saru gives Dr. Colber. Perhaps you're feeling less like who you were and more like who you're meant to become. We know this has a lot to do with what Saru is going through right now. But what do you think that statement, you're more like who you're meant to become, has to do with Colbert? Do you think we're going to see some crazy things going on with Colbert for the rest of this season?
1: You know, I do. I really do. And I'm not real sure where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I am 100% sure this will not be the same Colbert we originally met. And I have a feeling that the relationship between he and Stamets are, uh, will end soon. Yeah. I mean,
0: I was kind of weird, weirded out when sh- the doctor said that he's pristine now. You know, his right. scar is missing. And that immediately, you know, had my spider senses tingling. I'm like, yeah, man, this is not going to
1: end well. It's just not. No. And uh, I mean, you just don't know. I mean, you can stretch and say maybe a future form of him would be the Red Angel. Hmm. That is
0: actually a good theory. <laughs> but I think I think Captain Pike says at the end of this, the the figure was female formed, which I guess. you Did tell, Yeah. At the very last conversation between him and as Tyler.
1: I didn't hear that. I know he said it was humanoid. That was Saru's report. I didn't I could, hear it female.
0: Hmm, I could have sworn he said it was a humanoid female figure from the. future. It does.
1: I mean, it does look female shape. I mean, I yeah. I would imagine a guy to be shaped that way, with Huh. That's interesting. So,
0: <laughs> did you initially think the new keratin tissue, threat ganglia replacement that the doctor talked about would be um, of a predatory nature. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so we've gone from these gangly, threat ganglia things to now these... Um,
1: threatening ganglia. <laughs> yeah, threat, threat ganglia to threatening ganglia. Wow, there you go, John. <laughs> no, I had... You know what? I didn't pay that much attention. i um, I figured it would be something have to do with making him stronger. Yeah. But no clue that would happen. That was.
0: Yeah, that was pretty extreme. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: it, And and the doctor mentions that that his fear responses have been has been replaced with with uh, or his fading away. And I guess yeah. it's part of his new newfound power.
1: He said they have been repressed, yeah. which took him by shock. But I uh, let me say, let me toot my own because I said Saru was gonna come out of this with like a power <laughs> ego. <laughs> and he did not disappoint. No, he did not. <laughs> and it's going to get worse. I mean, I don't I don't know if we got into the spoilers part yet, but yeah.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. Well well let's let's get into maybe some of that first conference, the first sign of I of what I figured that Saru was was different. So we get the the discussion between Pike, Burnham, and Tyler discussing the signals, and then they're interrupted by this revelation of a new signal. They head to the bridge, and was it just me, or did Saru hang in that chair a little bit too long?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, you know what? That was very... I'm not going to say funny. <laughs> it was enlightening. It was funny. It was awesome. Like, he really like like this is mine. What are you standing
0: yeah, here for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this look on the look on answer Mouse's face was pretty. It's pretty great, you know.
1: Man, the bridge crew gave him all kind of looks throughout this episode. Yes,
0: yes. And, oh man, the look on Burnham's face throughout this episode. <laughs> She's like, "Samru, quit messing up." You can see it on her face, man. Just to, and which is
1: funny, it's the same look he would give her in the beginning of this when she was messing up. Yes, yes,
0: man. And that's actually just a, a good point all around because, you know, of course, Doug Jones has on his prosthetics, and somehow he's able to convey a lot of emotion with his. His movement and the turning of his neck, maybe, and the projection of his voice. But I think a lot of the emotion in this episode was not only conveyed by him, but like we just mentioned, everybody
1: around him. (laughs) Right. I mean, it. you could read. He didn't have to say a word and you could read Saru from everyone else on the bridge. And it it was and the real reaction that kind (laughs) of made me laugh. Was Captain Pike's reaction <laughs> <laughs> like he, he wanted to be mad, but he's like, "I know it's not his fault," but is he serious? <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it's almost a look he gave Burnham when JoJo came out of the shuttle because he just like looked at her like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: man, that was it, it, that was an enlightening situation, but i i again I'm fearful of what Saru is going to become. No,
0: you think this is just the
1: beginning. (laughs) I do. I really do. Like someone better give him command of some ship soon.
0: Um, I think we talked a little bit about the massive, um, uh, short trek tie-ins. From my opinion, I think this was probably filmed at the same time. Uh, the same director for both. Do we like the way it was weaved into this story? Because, you know, from us personally, I'll take this one first. I just think it was perfect because. You know, you didn't have to watch the short track to get what was going on. But to me, these side stories should uh enrich and inform the bigger series. And I think the short track did that perfectly by giving us an insight into what was going on. But again, like you didn't have to watch it, but it'd be so much richer if you did.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm in complete agreement with you. It's like I and I I thought about that as we were watching the episode, and you know I said the same thing in my mind. Like, wow, they're making this to where I really didn't have to watch the start, the short trick, but because I did, it's like a a little treasure yeah. that I have all for myself. Like, if you didn't watch it, it sucks for you because you're not getting the same enjoyment I did, even though you understand it. You don't get the same enjoyment. I guess is the best way I can describe it. it, it to me, it was great. I I, I like the way they did it.
0: Yeah, it's almost like when you read a book. You know, like the people these these um uh, smug book readers I call it from the Game of Thrones series. You know. <laughs> They want to tell you about all the inside, all the crap that happened in the book. So like I do on here, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. But but um but I, I think it was perfect the way they did it. You know, we got actual scenes from that short track. Um, but but, you know, again, it's such is much more richer, much more rich if you were able to to actually actually see the short track.
1: Yeah. And I go back to what I said when we did a review for this one. I thought this was the best short trick that they did. Yeah, you did. (laughs) It, It was a great story. And go figure. They used that story to make an entire episode. So kudos.
0: So I mentioned last week about Tyler being so quick to adopt the Section 31 mindset. So Pike makes the suggestion that we go and just, you know, knock on their door and have a conversation and drink tea and blah, blah, blah. But, <laughs> but we see where we see where Tyler is like, nah, bad idea, bad idea. <laughs> I mean, do we, do we think he fl- he's like jumped in it too quick? Cause it seems like, he's so gung ho with the section 31 stuff, but I don't know how much time has really passed, but it seems like he's just been, in, just got in there, you know?
1: Well, I, I, I agree, and I kind of felt like maybe not as far as, like, I think this was kind of a small oversight in the on the writer's behalf, because it's too much too soon, if that makes sense. That's that's the feeling I got from him. Like, it, with the last we heard of Tyler, well, not the last, but I mean, when you first see him being offered the position, he's kind of like, uh maybe, maybe not, but I have nothing else to do, so why not? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like I'm one hundred percent devoted to section thirty one. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe we should have had a short trick of yeah. that to oh, make this better.
0: That would have been so good. That would have been so good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 seems like what we're missing. I'm I'm not I'm not very impressed with his turnaround. I mean, I understand how it fits into the Story, but yeah, that, if there was a fault in this episode, I think that will be it, however small it may be.
0: So let's let's jump back to the bridge, and we make it to Kaminar, and the Bayul scan the discovery, and Pike has this idea. You know, the red signal, the red signal is not here. We came we came to Kaminar to investigate it. It's not here, so we need to send somebody down to the planet. So he suggests the Xenoanthropologist you know, anthropologist Burnham go down uh and, and investigate the planet to which Saru, who has a good point, he is a native of the planet that maybe he should go down. But Pike has reservations due to his recent experience of losing his third ganglia and, you know, um, maybe un- unforeseen uh physiological effects. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, to me, the second part, second time <laughs> in this episode where Saru just is defiant, man. Oh my god!
1: Yeah, the, uh, again, here we go. Power up, Saru. Like he's <laughs> over nine thousand. <000. laughs> yeah, indeed. But indeed. Did, I mean, did that not feel kind of forced to you? Like I would have expected Pike to say, "Saru, you need to be the one to go down," and then things unfolded from there. Like you, you know, I I get his reasoning.
0: I, I really get his reasoning. You know, if you again make the allegory back to uh what what Dr. Culver is going to going through, you know, Saru is just experienced something that he did, didn't know was possible for his his whole species. Right. So he thought he should be dead right now. So taking that into account, is he the best guy to be sending on any away mission? Now, no. Yeah. Now, this away mission is very unique. Again, it's it's his home planet. So, you know, I I feel like there is good reason to send him. But maybe you just want to table that just for a minute to see if he's okay.
1: I don't know, especially after the captain's here situation. So, yeah, I guess I would understand that.
0: And witnessed by his reaction to the possibility of not going, he's just outright defiant (laughs) and in Pike's face. I'm like, this dude uh, grew some balls quick.
1: Oh, man. I. (laughs) You know what? I was kind of cheering in that moment cuz I'm glad to see Saru like manning up, you know? Yeah. It may have been a wrong situation, but like I I you know, the scared, skittish Saru was kind of getting boring if that makes sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, so that's true.
1: I'm glad to see him kind of as you say growing some balls. <laughs> Maybe not like the the
0: political Completely different uh, term there.
1: <laughs> Sorry, guys.
0: Uh, but yeah, that was just a wonderful interaction. Again, Burnham breaks it up. Uh, uh, and again, like the expression on the bridge crew's face says it all. Yeah, um, and just just truly wonderful.
1: Do You but, think uh, Pike may have lost some respect in that moment?
0: I hate to say it. I love Captain Pike, but I think he lost respect in this episode for various reasons.
1: Oh, wow. I had Uh, to get into it. I mean, I just, I felt like he should have handled the Saru thing a little more, I don't know if powerful is the right word, like, he kind of wept out a little bit, you know what I mean? I wasn't expecting that.
0: He kind of stood his ground. He didn't relent, but by the same token, I mean, what are you going to do in that situation?
1: Man, you go Cisco in that situation. If that (laughs) had been Cisco, he'd be like... You're going to sit your butt down now. That is an order.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Um, That's one of the points in this episode that I was a little, you know, he's he's been wonderful in these first five episodes. But again, like in this episode in particular, it seemed like he was a little off and I feel like it was the writing. I don't know if they did it on purpose. Maybe they're setting it up to where he leaves the ship. But the fact that um we get here and him, he and Saru are having this big argument, uh, mainly because they want to maintain General Order one. Uh, and Saru may compromise that because he's so close to the situation in addition to this psychological, uh, physiological thing. And to me, like in the latter half of this episode, they kind of throw the whole General Order one out the window. And, and I know it's like a big gray area, which it always is, you know, understandably, <laughs> but it seems like Pike, it seems like Pike's lines in the latter half of this episode can be written in like one paragraph. He doesn't say much. He kind of lets, he kind of lets Burnham and Saru do their thing and he doesn't yeah. really chime in, which I felt was weird.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, the whole general order one thing, like I, I was kind of worried because his initial orders, were very broad, and it you know looked like a captain would have made specific, detailed plans to avoid breaking General Order One. I now mean, they did a great job of not breaking it. Uh, I mean, at the end, I, I mean they really didn't. Like he said, they stretched it, but yeah, that, I, I I'll understand you. He he didn't have a lot to say. It wasn't a lot of input. Hopefully, they're not working him out of it. I'm enjoying his character.
0: Okay, I'm gonna give you a little pushback. So isn't the whole purpose of General Order One is to not interfere with the natural progression of a species? True. But did they? I think they did. If they had not interfered, wouldn't of the natural progression still would have been for the Bayul to keep this great balance between them and the Kelpians? But
1: they, well, I, I think the interference happened when they accepted Saru. Like oh. you, you can't say you can't tell this guy he can't go back to his home planet. You tell, can. <laughs> I mean, you can, but I mean, he is Kelpian. So I mean, it, I mean, in essence, you already broken General Order One just because he was just because you didn't tell every Kelpian. You have informed a single Kelpian that there's more out there. There's work capable civilization, and by their definition, that is General Order One was broken. Hmm. Like
0: so, you're blaming Georgio. That's, that's that's what you're doing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm blaming Starfleet because I'm not gonna blame Georgio because she was just a lieutenant at the time, and I'm sure she was following orders. Oh. Uh, oh, wow. but <laughs> she should. They should have not interfered. Like I understand that they received the message from the Bayul who they thought was the Bayul, So I guess it kind of makes it harder. But look like they would have done more research and figured out this is not the Bayul. This is a Kelpian and we shouldn't interfere. But I think by, by picking, by ch- keeping him, by allowing him into Starfleet, I think that was kind of broken.
0: And in, in, in a sense, I do get that. But, but you know, what I think is the glaring thing that really breaks the rule for me, no matter how you look at it, is that if you remember, and we'll, we'll get into it. we we'll kind of way uh, skipping over some stuff, but. <laughs> but the main reason or saru's reasoning to captain pike that they should um induce this artificial Vahari, he says that because he thinks it's what the red angel wants them to do yeah so are we really to to go back to ash tyler's reasoning early on in the episode are we really going to base our action actions at starfleet on this unknown entity's purpose, although altruistic and good, are we really gonna start executing orders in a fashion that are in the the way they wanna do things?
1: Yeah. I, I can I, I understand that and you you're absolutely right. That's I wasn't thinking of it like that but yeah, by using that signal, amplifying that signal and yeah, that that would be a clear violation of General Order One. I mean, mm-hmm. if if it had just been Saru himself telling everybody, I don't think there was a big issue. But I think once they got involved with sending out that signal and then basing it on some random entity that nobody knows, yeah, I think that does kind of violate. So uh, I guess we kind of skipped the end, but let's just go
0: through a, a few of the other points in the episode. Uh, what do we think about the reaction between Saru and his sister, Serana?
1: Not much. I mean, it, yeah. it, it wasn't it wasn't bad. I don't think it was a super important uh, interaction to watch. I mean, I'm glad they got to reunite. Um, did he have any other siblings or family or was it just he, his sister and the father? I think so. I think so. Okay. I, I, I was kind of
0: weirded out by her reaction at first because she seemed very uh, embracing at first, but then she kind of goes on this rant and tells him to get out, <laughs> which, you know, is eventually overturned because I, I, did she make, did she tell us why she did that? She, she didn't want to further disrupt the balance with him being there. I think that's is what she may have said.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think it was more along the lines she was just mad that he left. Yeah. But, mm. Mm. you know, I was half expecting her to, well I guess not with them being a fearful species like that first initial interaction with her and Burnham like I don't know if I was expecting her maybe like to stab her or something <laughs> <laughs> this is like changed everything you believe in yeah. and against your I mean she's a priestess now so that means she's highly devoted to her beliefs and I, I would assume her beliefs would have meant eliminate this issue this problem like you know I don't know I didn't expect it to go so well so fast.
0: Yeah, or at least be a little less accepting. I don't. I don't right. know if the Kelpians are violent by
1: nature. I know their right. their primal nature is violence, but I don't know so much about the uh, their normal. You know, I definitely wasn't expecting a tea invitation.
0: <laughs> oh, come by for some tea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I guess
0: I want to get into the notion of this great balance. What do we think about, you know, the revelation of who the Bayou are? And now that we have a little more insight into why they were doing what they were doing, are we okay with it? Is this great balance the right thing to do, given the given the revelation of the true nature of the Kelpian species?
1: Ah, that is a good question. I, I I I don't know. Like, is it the right thing to do? No, morally, no. But I think in the situation, what else was it to do? But at the same time, I mean, you developed the technology to for space travel. Why not just leave? Good point.
0: Good point. Yep, I think that's what huh? they should have did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why enslave an entire species? Even though, even though in their defense, they were treated equally. But, and I mean, I understand you live in fear for so long. I mean, just like Saru, he's ready to attack. So is his threat ganglia gone? So, I mean, I'm sure they were the same way, but I'm like, I, like if they were enlightened enough to develop this great technology, I would have figured they would have left.
0: Yeah. And I totally agree. You know, you have the situation where the Bayul were thousands of years ago. They were initially the, the prey species. You know, because once the once the Kelpians reached this far right and their threat ganglia fall from their neck <laughs> and sure. now they're this bad a species who basically almost ran the Bayul to extinction. And, and I find that pretty interesting. I wonder what I didn't get from that. I wonder was since the Bayul had this technology, were they just like the superior life form at that time? You know what I'm saying? For and instance, more- the- Go ahead. What'd say?
1: Well, no, I was gonna say, what do you mean by when? When would they be superior? I mean, for instance,
0: like, um, take us as human beings, and maybe take a what's the most highly evolved animal that we have? Gorillas. You know, we have gorilla movies, Um, right? But, but you know, I guess this is the the um the the uh, what's the the world not world of world Planet of the Apes whole movie premise, (laughs) but 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 take the take the notion that you have this this um s- superior species that somehow is overrun by a lesser species if you think about it so say hmm. the apes almost wipe us out and in turn we're going to come up with something to subdue this lesser species uh because they are so primal you know i don't know maybe well, that, a ba- maybe a bad analogy. That-
1: no, that, that makes a lot of sense and that kind of changes the dynamic because if, if it was the Bayou's home world to start with and a predatory species started taking over and the the original inhabitants developed technology to defend themselves, then naturally they would take back their home world.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, looking at it that way, looking at it in human gorilla, like <laughs> if, if gorillas were to take over Earth, like I think, as humans, we would develop the technology to defend ourselves. We wouldn't just develop technology and leave. Like this is our home. So, yeah, yeah. I guess in that perspective, I guess they would do what they're doing now. But that's still a bit.
0: Yeah, I know it's a crude example.
1: <laughs> it's a very well, crude. Not, not, not that it's a crude example. It's just I still, were even in that case, the Bayou still took it too far. Yeah. I mean, if you were an enlightened species and you developed technology the way you did as soon as you did, that mean I mean you you just don't see that from a higher evolved species, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: And and even if you get down to the way the Bayor were actually portrayed in this episode, even that I still would love to be fleshed out a little bit more. Because they're just some oily substance rising out of the water. I mean,
1: <laughs> see, I had a problem with that because you look at you look at what's the, what's the Kelpian's homeworld, Katal, Covenar, uh, Covenar. Like, do you see anywhere Covenar <laughs> that <laughs> supports the Bayou? I mean, no. No. I mean maybe they're a water a water
0: bearing species, maybe, since their base is in a water. And I will say added to that, um, they're so slimy and so creepy looking. Either they emerge in the exoskeleton of some type or a suit or some type, or um they have some robots to do all the work because their their ship is too pristine to be looking how they're looking and being right. able to I mean, their their ship should be grungy. It should reflect like the, what they look like, I think in some sense. You know what I'm saying?
1: I, I that that's exactly what I was expect like that's what kind of threw me off when I seen them. I was like that's just weird. Like that creature looked nothing like a technologically advanced species. Yeah. Like how did that hit buttons? <laughs> Maybe they didn't have buttons, John. <laughs> Well, it had to start with some kind of computer circuit board. They did it with like, their mind. Oh, uh, here we go! Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, mind control involved.
0: Oh man, yeah, I, I do think their portrayal was really, really weird in the episode. So,
1: hey, maybe that's another short
0: trick. M- maybe so. Maybe so. Any more thoughts on the episode?
1: We didn't see much Tilly in this episode, which. I mean, it wasn't a bad thing, but I was expecting because this is a new species and I feel like there was a lot that a great scientific mind could have done. I didn't see a lot of Tilly. Well, it was
0: her and Burnham who kind of figured out the whole evolution of the, um, the Kelpians, the evolved Kelpians versus, versus the, I guess the, uh, pre-Vahari Kelpians. Uh, They, they, she was, she was involved in that for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I I do think like a lot of the main uh, her Stamets, um, who were pretty focal in the last episode, really didn't get much, didn't get much limelight in this one, which is fine because it was a real story. So
1: I don't. Know. Yeah, i um, uh, I guess I guess <laughs> I. Do. I mean, everything has been such so focused on. Well, not so focused, but Tilly's always had a important role in each episode. So I can't believe it or not. I just kind of missed having her in this episode.
0: Oh, Mrs. is (laughs) Tilly. She's, she's growing on you, right?
1: Yeah, she is. I I mean, believe it or not, she is. And I, I don't know. I I think pretty much everybody is growing on me. I just can't, I don't know. Stamets. I'm still having an issue with. Hmm. I don't know. Has he grown on you any, or is he just Stamets? I've always liked him
0: because I like the way he can, you know, talk. So sciencey, (laughs) Right. I've always liked them, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they actually develop his character more. Of course, he developed the Spore Drive, and he's very integral in the early parts of last season. But it's going to be interesting what they're going to do now, whereas we don't really have as much focus on the Spore Drive anymore. Like, what is his purpose in the show?
1: (sighs) Yeah, I, uh, that's going to be interesting. And hope and maybe it's something to do with Cobra. I mean, maybe that's going to be another avenue they take they take Stamets down, you know?
0: I think I so, mean, man.
1: Because that's going to, I mean, obviously the uh, network has had a lot of influence on this new Cobra. So that's going to be in Stamets' department.
0: Yeah, I don't think this whole Spore thing is over with quite yet, uh, especially in Colbert's case. That's going to be interesting to see what they do with him a little bit later on in the
1: season. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, overall, I think, uh, like I said, it was a great episode, man. I've really enjoyed myself. Like, these have been classic Star Trek episodes, and they kind of stand alone, you know what I mean? Yeah, they do, and um, I just
0: want to point out just real quick the... The the cinematic transitions, the music, the voiceover at the beginning and closing minutes, just really beautifully done, man. And especially these last few episodes, they are really upping the cinematic take on it. And I'm just enjoying the heck out of it, dude.
1: It's like sitting down watching a movie every time. Yes. And I thought I thought about you because you actually made mention on the last episode about the narration from the beginning. And then we had Saru's narration here. And it just seems like that narration adds another layer that's just changes your entire viewing experience. So I've really enjoyed it. Yes, man. And they
0: did this wonderful transition at the very beginning of where they like show the shores of Kaminar and they like pan the camera onto a flower. And then we're like in Saru's quarters. Oh, yeah. Just beautiful uh, cinematography at the very beginning of the episode.
1: You know what? You're very keen on your details. And I I mean, I noticed those, but it didn't occur to me like they were good. That was great. There was another one at the end when his sister was leaving and they were like forehead to forehead in his quarters. And then it kind of turns to her on the transporter pad. And I was like, man, that is
0: awesome. That was good. (laughs) I almost forgot about that one. That was really good.
1: And, you know, it's done in a way you don't notice it. But, you know, now that you say it, it actually gives it a whole nother layer that yeah. you can appreciate. I mean, that, that man, it's amazing what they're doing. And I said this last time, and I probably say it three more times. Like, what are they going to do in season four? <laughs> like, how you. <laughs> you can't give everything at once. You have to save
0: some. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Heck, what are they going to do with the rest of this season? <laughs> uh, I know. Cause, Man. You know, the have, you know, I, and I know it's very director-focused, but to have so many of these nuanced things that are spread throughout the episode that make it so much better, it really makes the bad episodes jump out at you. Or the, right. the episodes that don't really have a complete story jump out at you when you get these episodes like this one where it's just like end to end is like your brain is fried by the end of the episode because right. there's so much going on
1: but I mean isn't that classic trick though I think in every series we there's always that one episode usually at the beginning of the season that's just not so good but yeah. in like you get you're built up over time and then it's like amazing. Yeah. And like they'll drop start you back over and then build you up, build you up, build you up, build you up, up, up to you like can't take anymore. and then <laughs> Yeah. But I, I I'm enjoying it, man. Like I just can't imagine how they could continue.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Well I guess we are to wrap this one up. Um so I'll swing it to you, man. What are you working on podcast related? or otherwise, that you might want to talk about, watching, uh, listening to, whatever. Uh, What you got, man?
1: Uh, Not much, man. I've been a working man. Uh, Other than work and the honey-do list at home, I'm trying (laughs) to make some improvements on my house, so not much. I've tried to catch up on some shows. I'm watching Dragon Ball Super, of course, the English version, but so I'm a little behind, but that's been awesome. Uh, Blacklist is getting better by the episode. Uh, anybody that hadn't watched Blacklist, man, go watch it. That is <laughs> amazing stuff. Yeah. Cool. But other than that, man, that's it. What about you? Oh, man, I have not watched
0: Blacklist yet. Uh, James Spader, I think is the guy.
1: Nope. Yes. How do you not, you Boston legal man? And you know what's great about the current season we're in, and most people won't appreciate this, but his character has actually gotten arrested and he's in court defending himself. Oh wow! That's so now, a good idea. <laughs> no, but just think, is James Spader character. I don't know if you watch much Blacklist, but his character here is like a really super bad guy. But he's getting to reprise his role of Alan Shore, kind of. Really? So you remember Alan Shore in Boston Legal, had oh, his yeah. courtroom persona? Oh, yeah. He was awesome. <laughs> you get this in the middle of Blacklist. like wow. It's awesome, man. I'm loving every minute of it. You should definitely watch it. Sweet. Sweet. And I know Jeremy's not on tonight, but if he was, he would probably tell everybody to start watching Umbrella Academy. He's raving about it, and I have not watched it yet.
0: Yeah. Cal has watched it as well. So I think I might start trying to watch it this week and maybe we can all convene and talk about it on discussing comics or something. Just so much to do. So much to yeah. discuss.
1: <laughs> Tell me about it, man.
0: All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. You can send in feedback once again to fans at discussingtrek.com. Uh, let us know, uh, what, how you're enjoying the season so far. Also be sure to check out our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.discussingtrek.com. Once again, thank you for joining us and for Cal, Carrie, and Jeremy. Until next time, guys, live long and prosper. listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com/subscribe.